Uh, Tom and Becky, um, first tell us a little bit. We didn't do this the other night. And I was thinking about what we didn't do. Tell them about your family. Tell them about your kids. Go ahead. We came with one two-week-old baby to Lighthouse. And that was a miracle because Pastor Scott, who was a pastor at the time, called Tom and said, we'd like you to come try out for the music pastor position here. And we were due our first kid the same time he wanted us to come. And then the baby came a week early, which for a first-timer, that's pretty good. So anyway, I knew this was a church of great faith even then. We also have a son, Jonathan, who was born here at Mary Immaculate, and yes, we made it over the bridge, and he was birthed just in the nick of time. And then we also had a daughter, Lydia, who was born here at Mary Immaculate also, and that's our family. Now we have a daughter-in-law, a son-in-law, and two granddaughters best part of all. <laughs> and just got a grand dog yesterday. Oh, yes. <laughs> grand dog. Yep. Any, any grand dog uh, families out there, you know what that's about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom, tell us a little bit about what the, what were some things that you maybe picked up or, or learned or got stretched into here at Lighthouse that are still serving you where you're at now in Ecuador? Got stretched into is a good way to say that. And uh, we learned a lot here. We came in uh, just, we uh, were just open to let the Lord use us in however he wanted to. And I know one of the, one of the areas, well, when we were building this building, it was a, that was a big stretch. Uh, just all the things that had to go into this. We did a lot of the work ourselves, a lot of the wiring, a lot of all-nighters. But we... Uh, just enjoyed every part of it and we one of the things that pastor scott had asked me to do in 1989 uh, we had just got into this building and he the cable company came to us and said we'd like to have your services on on the tv but you're going to have to produce it so he came to me and said hey they want us on tv and you're going to learn how to do it I said, okay. So that was one of the biggest stretches. So we started there, and we just uh, began to, I would go over on Thursday nights. They would go off the air at 10 p.m. I'd go in. They'd let me use their equipment to edit, and we put a program together every week uh, for several years. Then uh, when we went to, we moved from here to Griffin, Georgia, and went there as the music pastors, and we wanted to get into media since we had a little bit of media background by then. And so then we bought a TV truck and got into media in a real big way. We actually were able to use that truck as a way to go out and, and uh, uh, we rented it out, our crew, and we made uh, almost $800,000 in the 15 years that we ran the truck. So God really used that to be a real blessing to the church and uh, to, to the ministry there. And then during that time, I became the media pastor because both area of music and media got to be so big. And I felt like God said, I want you to go into media. And it kind of shocked the pastor I was working with then. He said, you know, but you, you've been a worship leader so long. I said, I know, but I really feel like God's calling us into media. So we began to concentrate on that full time. I received a call to go down to Crank Ecuador in 2005. They just started a television station. They wanted me to come down to help them and 
teach, uh, do some training, put in some equipment. So I began to go down almost every year, uh, take a couple weeks and go down and, and started working with them. And then in 2010, they asked us to pray about coming full time. The church then allowed us to go down for two months in 2011 as a sabbatical to pray if this was God's plan. We really felt like it was, and then we uh, were appointed missionaries in 2011, raised our funds in six months, went to language school, and we were in uh, Cuenca in 2014 and have been there ever since. And now God's using us to run a television station. So what began here on that cable system uh, was the very beginning of that, that fruit that we're seeing today. How cool to look back and see that thread. Yes. Um, because when we're in the middle of things, we don't have that benefit to mm -hmm. see what in the world God is doing um, to call you guys out of what we knew was a very strong gift of worship mm -hmm. to prepare you for where you're at today. Um, that's, that's one key thing. What are some other, and Becky, you can answer this too, what are some other significant things that you remember happening here maybe the lord spoke to you it was a word that he gave you a prophetic word or or something that that you feel like was significant maybe for the season when you were here but maybe also set you up for where you are now i remember being asked to speak for a ladies event and I was like, oh, Lord, I can't do that. I'm just me, you know. And I, I prayed. I said, if you tell me what to say, I'll do it. Any door you open for me, if you give me whatever, I will do it. And that night I went to bed, and just as clear as could be, he gave me the whole message. Sorry, I have, I know I'm going to cry at some point. Um, <laughs> and he, he told me, plug into the power source. And that, I feel like, Yesterday, the Lord was telling me to say to this group in here, which, by the way, it looks like old times because this was such a young church. When we came here, the average age was 26 years old. And you still are so young, and I love it. And those of you who are not so young, we're still really young. <laughs> but um, that's what I, I feel like the Lord was telling me this weekend to say to you is, you can have as much of God as you want. He didn't save us to give us a ticket to get into heaven someday. I mean, hey, heaven is going to be perfect. We don't, we don't need that relationship then as much as we do now. So spend the time that you need. Pastor was saying it earlier, you know, about pressing into God. We need, I came here with nothing. Lord, use me create the new wineskin. I remember a great sermon here about wineskin. Then you can't put new wine in an old wineskin or it'll just burst. You know, you've got to be new. So just remember that, that you can have as much of God as you want. Believe me, you'll never get as much of him as he wants to have of you or you to have of him. It's just, it's incredible. It's not so much the knowledge we learned the Word of God was so rich here, and I know it is because I know who you are. And because of the Word of God in us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when you have that great faith, the miracles come. My goodness, eight years were so rich here. I, we saw so many miracles, and it set us up for the future to believe 
for extraordinary things. I mean, if you told me back then when we were here and I was trying to chase after three little kids and do all the things that we did, that we would be missionaries, I'd go, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I took French in high school. <laughs> now I have to learn how to speak Spanish. <laughs> I mean, God has a sense of humor. But um, it's just the Lord has so much for us. And while we walk this path here on this planet that's so full of negativity and stuff, we need more of God because those people need us to share his love with them. Sorry. Awesome. Went to preaching. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll just move right on off the platform, Becky, and let you just <laughs> yeah, go <I'm> for it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Tom had mentioned uh, uh, that they, they had served in, in Winchester for a time. Hartley Wigfield was the pastor then. And he, he said the other night that Hartley's how old now? He's nine, 94. 94 years old. And he still prays for Tom yeah. and Becky. And so love that. Yes. And then uh, served here for eight years. Served with Randy Valamont, Valamont who, who uh, became uh, my mentor for about a year uh, in 1998 when I became senior pastor. Um, but one of the things that I loved about uh, Tom and Becky is that, is that they are wonderfully gifted in, in the, the lanes where, where they're at. Uh, Becky is a, an incredible soloist and a music teacher and played piano and did, did all those kind of things. And both Tom and Becky... Uh, very strong administratively, and so our, our Easter productions were were huge, and we used to pack the place. Um, and there's so many different uh, uh, layers to to their giftedness, and at the same time, they served under really strong leaders. Tom, what's it like to lead from the middle? Because I know there are people out here, maybe in middle management, and they're they're like, oh, I feel like the you know the 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 lid the, the bottleneck's at the top, and I can't get where I need to go. And how do you how do you how do you learn to grapple with all that stuff? Well, it was it was always a challenge. At the at the beginning, I was just so green. Uh, Pastor Wigfield really took a chance in hiring me. I actually was in that church as a youth, and uh, I was kind of an ornery youth in in my college years. And so I was very shocked that he was willing to take a chance on me. Uh, I actually started in the ministry as a job, not as a calling. And uh, he just really mentored me through that uh, aspect of it. But then as God got a hold of my life and really showed me about worship, then it, it became a calling. So it was his uh, leadership style was the type that would let you fail. And then they he'd say, okay, what, what should you have done better? And so I kind of had a lot of bruises from there. Then I came here, and then Pastor Scott was one that just kind of led along, and he would help, help you through the, the process and help maybe foresee some things that uh, challenges. And, and there were times that in all three of the pastors that I worked for, there were times that I, I questioned what they were asking us to do, or I questioned uh, why. And now that I'm leading a, a group of people, and the buck stops with me, now I see that I know the big picture. I can see the, the whole thing, and so sometimes maybe they didn't communicate as well as they should have to help us understand more clearly what they were seeing, but I just had to trust that they, they were hearing from God. And I, one of the main things that I learned was it was through prayer. When I become frustrated, 
and rather than complain and grumble about them, I began to pray for them. And I would just pray, God, you're, you know, that you would speak to them. And things would turn around. And it's more because it changed in me. The attitude changed in my heart. But sometimes, I mean, they would actually come and say, hey, I, I was a little confused or I'm mistaken. I think we ought to maybe do it the way you were talking about. And I never even had to push. And so there was way when I would just learn how to let God be God and just allow him to be the Lord in the situation. And so now that when I'm leading our people, I instruct them in the same way. Sometimes you don't understand some of the decisions we have to make. You've you just got to trust us. You've got to trust that we, we are seeing the big picture. And if I could, just talking about perspective in a, for a moment, just speak to those of you going through the last two years has been incredible. A lot of people are fighting loneliness. A lot of people are getting having a hard time coming out of the house because they've gotten stuck in there. It's become so easy to just watch things online, uh, you know, and just afraid of, of contact and lots of different things emotionally that we're going through. And the Lord just really has placed this message on my heart is to let you know that you have a purpose. God has placed a purpose in every one of your lives. And those that are watching online, God has a purpose for you. He created you in a very special way. And he, he said, I knew you before I, I formed you in your mother's womb. Every day was planned. And so he has a purpose for your life. And so sometimes you don't understand what you're going through. Sometimes you're in the midst of, a, of chaos. And it's like when you're flying into a large city, you look from above, it's all organized. All You can see the pattern and the homes and the buildings and everything. But once you get into the city and you get into the traffic and you, you're in that chaos and you don't see any of that organization anymore. And you began to say, you know, what happened to all that? Because your perspective changed. And it's like Elijah. He, he thought he was the only prophet left. And he was complaining and, and grumbling. And, and the Lord said, hey, I have 7,000 other prophets. You're not the only one left. But he was just so caught up in his own issues. And then Elisha, when his, uh, his assistant came in and said, hey, the enemy's constantly, you know, has us surrounded. He was so fearful. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. When his eyes were open, he saw that the, the hills were full of the army of God and that those numbers were much greater than his. And that's what God can do for you. He will open your eyes to let you see the, his perspective. But you got to trust him and know that he loves you. He sent Jesus to die for us. And so what more can he do? But he did that as a res because he wants us to be together with him. So let me just encourage you to reach out to someone. Don't try to get through this on your own. We need each other. The enemy's trying to separate us, trying to keep us isolated. But you need people. You need relationships. You need to reach out. If you're online right now, reach out to the online host and say, I need, I need prayer. I need someone to talk to. If you're here today, we're willing to pray with you and, and afterward and share with you. But don't ever, don't think you're in this on, on your own. We are a team. We are together. And uh, just allow the perspective of God to rule and, and take over. And that's what I learned, you know, in leadership. It's, all, it's really all about perspective. And you've got to trust the leadership that they are seeing the big picture. And they know what, what all the, the parts are, are. Sometimes they can't share everything, but it's, uh, you just have to trust. And so, I would just kind of 
those that I was leading, I kind of led in the same manner that uh, you have to just trust me because there were times that when I had to make decisions about some of the people working with us or volunteers and um, some of the other people didn't understand some of my decisions and it wasn't, you know, wasn't proper for me to go into any kind of details, but they had to trust. And so that's, it's a difficult place to be when you're kind of under someone and you're over a lot of other people too. Um, just to add to that, I also feel like none of us can compare ourselves to one another, okay? God, he created you unique, uniquely, and he has a unique plan for you. And if you constantly want to be like someone else, then you're not fulfilling what you need to do. Uh, this church, my goodness, we were like family the eight years we were here. I learned so much. I don't even think I taught anybody anything while I was here. I feel like I got everything. I learned the ladies ensemble. We would gather and pray. And I thought, wow, listen to these ladies, the way they pray. They pray the word of God, and it inspired me as a very young woman. I was in my 20s to learn the word of God and to pray it harder and stronger. And I just want to encourage you, especially over the last two years, we've been so secluded that people need you as well as you need other people. When the Lord called us to leave here, and by the way, we never put a resume out anywhere we've been. Three churches, we got a call from the pastor, and even the mission. To go into missions, we were asked by a missionary to come join them. So never did we go out of our way to do that. But when the Lord called us to leave here, oh my goodness, it was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. I cried for months I mean, I had a bag full of letters from the youth choir. These were the orneriest kids I've ever met in my life. And those kids put so much into me. When I read their, their letters, it took me three or four months to be able to read them. I'm like, holy cow. The Lord was ministering to them, and, and most of them are in full-time ministry now. It's, a, it's crazy. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, when he called us to leave, I was so upset. But... If we had not obeyed God, oh my goodness, this place was so sweet. It was wonderful. There was no reason to leave. It was the best. But if we had not left, God would have not been able to do those next things that he did to prepare Tom to do what we're doing now. And while we were here, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling. Um, there was a, an evangelist named Dick Mills who came. And he, the man probably had a photographic memory, but he had the word of God memorized. And he would, the Lord would use him to speak into different people's lives. And I don't know what he spoke over you guys, but I know what he spoke over us. And he said, think big. And he looked at Bonnie Erickson and he said, now you're writing this stuff down. You put it in all caps with periods after it. Think big. He said, you can't think big enough as to what the Lord is going to do through you guys if you're just obedient. So that is my little sermonette to you today is you can have as much of God as you want but be obedient. And don't think little things are little things. Don't despise them. God is ordering your steps and your path for who knows how many years down the road. But he's also using you right now today to minister to those around you.
I'm thinking about when you guys were here. First of all, your obedience to the Lord is what brought you here. Um, but then being here, your obedience. I know that you've felt like this is a job. We're here to lead worship. I know it went beyond that. Um, but your investment in this house wasn't because you took a job and it wasn't because you got on this platform every day or every weekend or Wednesday. I don't know how many times did we have church back then? Sunday mornings, several services, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. But, um, I, I believe that the investment came because you stood in this house and you worshiped. You didn't lead worship though you did, but you worshiped. And I'm sure you worshipped at home, and you worshipped in your car, and it was no different when you came into this building that you worshipped. And now we have a tremendous heritage of worship in this house because you all did that and modeled that here. That it's not about the position or the title. It was that you became a conduit to say, we're here to give glory and honor to your name do it through us, do it in us. And that's what got poured out all over the floors of this place. That when we walk in this door, we invite people to just continue to follow that path of what you all did here in this place. And I know you don't want any glory for that because we know you. You don't even want your names to be associated with that. But it's because you obeyed (laughs) is part of why we are who we are today. And we thank you guys for that. That's what I told Pastor Ken before we started this morning. We, you know, we already did this on Thursday night. And I'm sorry you missed it if you missed it because it was wonderful. (laughs) But I am so impressed with the worship team. You guys have such hearts for God. It's not about being some big lolly doo-doo. You know, you're just... You are just amazing in that you are gifted, but you love Jesus. And it's just... It's a time where we just enter together. Tom's dad said the other day, he goes, man, I just, these days it seems like people are performing. You know, they get up on stage and they perform. They're not leading us. And I'm like, I listened to him and I thought, well, can you try to explain that to me? Because as a worship leader, you are singing but i think you're just you it's almost like you tune out everybody else and you just love jesus and you invite everybody else to come along with you and and i know that's what we did i mean it was not about us we had a glorious team back then you know boy that's another thing that impressed me all these years god just keeps bringing new people in you know it's amazing Uh, we had to leave so you get some good people Uh, you guys mentioned miracles. Um, I know that the Lord worked a lot of miracles here, but Tom, you shared on Thursday night a miracle of healing that God did in your body. And I think for us to hear the stories and, and just continue to remember by others' testimonies that God is a healing God and we don't have to live in a place of sickness and disease because of the work that he's done for us. Would you mind sharing your story on that? Not at all. The... Uh, I was, when I was 15 years old, I was, I just became very weak. I was losing a lot of weight, could not, uh, went to several doctors, several hospitals. They kept trying to run tests. Nobody could figure out what was going on. Finally went to a, a university hospital in Cleveland and we, the doctor came in, they, you know, kept coming up 
have a, about five or six people surround you. They're all asking questions, all trying to do all this diagnosis. They finally, after all the tests they ran, they came and told my parents, well, he's got leukemia or Hodgkin's disease. So we'll run some tests tomorrow to determine which one it is, and then we'll begin to start the treatment. So this was back in 1975. So you can imagine, I mean, things were much different then, uh, dealing with cancer. And so my parents didn't tell me. They went home, called our pastor, and they began to pray. And during the time of prayer, the pastor, the Lord told the pastor, tomorrow there's going to be a change in diagnosis. So the next day, I was in x-ray for seven hours because they kept running tests, trying to look for things. And the doctor actually used those very words. He said, we don't understand it, but there's been a change in diagnosis. He said, these signs weren't there yesterday. And he said, he has Crohn's disease. And it's something that we can deal with. It is a form of cancer, but uh, it's something that can be treated. So then... That night is when I really, when my parents explained, told me the whole story, I just, I cried and I just said, Lord, I, I don't know why you've spared me, but I give you my life. That's when I said, whatever you have for me to do, I'm going to do. And I determined right then, and I believe that's part of the, the way that I worship because of that. I, I gave that, gave him, I don't know why he spared me. I've, you know, there are many young people that have died of cancer and, and other things, but God had a plan. And so... I just, you know, began to deal with that sickness over um, 16 years, I actually dealt with it. And during that time, I had to have a bowel resection. Uh, we were in, in, a, um, in the church in Winchester. We were getting ready to do a production, and I was getting worse and worse. They said, it, look, it appears to be uh, bleeding into your system. We've got to get in and do something. I said, i got to get through this musical. And, but then it burst, and I, I had no choice. They had to do, go in emergency surgery. And then they were able to do the bowel resection. I did the musical with staples in my belly, and, <laughs> but I sat in a chair. And then uh, we went uh, three months later, I had adhesions, and they had to go back in and, and uh, fix, fix that issue. And I, throughout this whole time, I kept praying, God, you can heal me of this as well. You healed me of the other. You can heal me of this. And, and so then when we were in this place in 1990, it was January of 90, uh, we were st standing. I came right up here, and I had been prayed for many, many times. But uh, Dallas Plemons was here, and he... I asked him to pray for me, and he prayed for me, and I knew that I knew that God had healed me. Many other times I felt, you know, that he, I'd been healed, and I stopped taking my medicine, and I became very sick. And I told the Lord, I said, this is the only way I know how to test this. So I stopped taking the medicine. I never got sick. I never had a problem. And here it's been all these years. Well, we just had a, a physical done. Just a few months ago, every, every cycle, we have to have a physical to show that we're healthy enough to go back to the field. So we had it done in, in Ecuador in November. Which, by the way, we would never have been able to be missionaries right. if he was if still If I was still clothes. dealing with that. I wouldn't have been able so to be a missionary. God so, knows. So then they they ran, they did a colonoscopy. They saw some scar tissue, and they were a little concerned. They said, I, we think you may have some ulcers. And I, they said, we have a, uh, another test that we can run. It's a little camera that we can have you swallow, and then we'll, we'll record it for 12 hours. Well, being a media guy, I thought that sounded pretty cool. And so, <laughs> so I went ahead, and I took did that and they ran through the whole thing and so they watched all through the thing and and it's completely clear 
there is not an issue in my, in my intestines. So here we are 30 some years later, they keep telling me I'm in remission and I keep saying, well, here's the proof right now. I've got a camera, got 12 hours of video that you can watch if you like. <laughs> and so God, you know, he showed that he is faithful. And I, and again, perspective, you know, is everything. Now that I look back, those 16 years that I suffered with that has given me such compassion for people that are dealing with issues that are suffering. And uh, I know where you're at. I know where you're at. And I know that there's a God that can heal. And we have prayed for people with Crohn's and we've seen them uh, recover. And God has healed them. So if you're dealing with anything, I'll be glad to pray with you. Well, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, we, we've been walking with you guys for a long time. And I, I think that, uh, you know, when I, when I first came to Lighthouse um, in 90, I, I had a Bible college degree, but no, uh, so I knew the Bible, but no interaction with church. And I remember our first five years here, we just, Holly and I felt like, even though she grew up here, but as a, a young married couple, we felt like we, you know, how did we get so blessed to be here? You know, because I know uh, after five years, there were so, so many of the people that we graduated with were on their second, third, fourth church, you know, because there are just a lot of difficult situations out there. And we just really felt like, man, you know, charmed life. I don't know, blessed life. Uh, we just really felt like we had it. And so, but I was a sponge. Like I was, I was listening to how people did what they did and, and I wanted to learn. And, you know, and Tom and Becky have always been givers. I remember as a, uh, you know, as a young couple trying to figure it out financially, and I was self-employed for that first five years. I was laying floors and, and working here one day a week, that kind of thing. And how do we learn to make the budget work, in which Holly and I are going to talk about that next week, because we start our finance series here called Money Talks, and we're going to talk about how to get on the same page financially in your in your marriage. So uh, I hope, hope that you'll tune in for that. Um, but I remember Tom telling me one time, and it blew my mind too, because he was saying, we tithe. And then he said, we pay our bills and then we tithe on what's left. I'm like, what's that about? You know? And, uh, but he wouldn't say that like publicly, but that was just the conversation of us guys hanging out. But it made me realize that I, I'd made my God too small. You know, that I, that, that you, you actually can't out, you know, outgive God, that he will, he will find a way to, you know, if you, if you put him first, he'll find a way. So, so talk to me about how giving has been involved with your journey to get where you're at in missions and how can people get involved with missions through giving? Well, it was, it has been a process of learning. We have always been givers and uh, we, when we moved here, we still had a home in Winchester. And so we were living in a house that was right about where the foyer is right now. And it was ready to be torn down. And after living in there for a month, we know why. But it was just, uh, it, when a truck would go by, I mean, the whole house would shake. And so it was, uh, it was fun with our, one, uh, our newborn. But we... Uh, we couldn't, didn't know we could afford, you know, we had this opportunity to come to us. Somebody wanted us, uh, they were going to be leaving the area. They said, if you'll assume the loan, you can take over uh, what our home. 
And so we began to look at all the budget, look at everything, and we began to, you know, really pray. And I, I got it all figured out, and it looked like we were going to be $35 short uh, every month without groceries, not talking about anything extra, just to pay mortgages and electric and some of those kind of things just to, to exist. And so we were going to be short. And then we came here on a, a Wednesday night service. And this lady who was in our choir, she came up to me and her husband, and she said, I don't know why, but the Lord told us to give you this. And she handed me an envelope. And when I opened it up, it was a check for $35. And that meant everything to us. You know, I couldn't wait to show it to Tom. That's why, you know, when the Lord speaks to you, you might think, oh, that's, that's just a small figure. It's just, that's not really you, God. But you never know what that's going to do because that planted a seed in us to know that God, God was concerned. You know, he knows our life. He knows everything that's going on. And the beautiful thing about it was when we said, okay, yes, we'll do it. Uh, the next day we signed the papers, our other home sold the next week. We never had to make two mortgage payments. And so, it was just kind of a test that God was, you know, do you trust me? And so we did. And so then we began to really discover the, the blessings of giving, you know, and it wasn't about just giving the, uh, a little bit. We wanted to start tithing on what we wanted to receive. We wanted to start tithing on, on what we felt like, God, you know, this is where we think you're leading us. Then we started getting, getting into missions giving. When we went to a mission uh, in uh, our first missions trip to Liberia, West Africa, uh, man, I just really got the bug. I said, man, this is something we need to support. And so we came back, we began to give to missions. And then when we went to Griffin, I mean, Griffin became a huge missions church. The first year in, in 1993, they gave less than $10,000 to missions. When Pastor Randy said, we're going to, they had a lot of debt. And he said, we're going to give our way out of this debt. And they began to give to missions until last year they gave $3.2 million. And the church is over 5,000 people now. At that point, it was 250. So you can see God's, that's God's math. That's how God operates. And Pastor Randy always said, you know, if we'll be concerned about God's world, then he will be concerned about our world. So we're always putting things first. So we began to, faith promises, that was an exciting time for us. We did a missions convention every year, and, and they'd ask us to, to do a faith promise. What's God telling you to give? What's, what's he telling you? So we would go to the first uh, banquet. We had a banquet on Friday night, a banquet on Saturday night, and then services on Sunday. So Friday night, you know, we're both praying, and, and the speaker really inspires us, and so we come up with a figure, and then the next night, uh, we got to raise it up a little bit more, and then on Sunday, oh, we got to raise it up some more, until we got to the place where we were giving more to missions than we were any other bill that we had, more than our mortgage, more than anything, and, and we just, that was something we wanted to do. And we had no idea where it was coming from. I mean, God supplied it every month. Every month it was there. Where was it? We have no idea. Then when he asked us to become missionaries and give our lives, we said, that's not, you know, that's a no-brainer, you know? So we were just, when we usually would go forward at, during those missions convention and, and say, God, we offer this gift to you, we came forward and we said, God, we offer us. You know, and and so it's, it was just a progression how God just kept working in us because he knew 
when he was going to ask that, then we were ready. And Can so, I interject here? I, this is a thought that just came to my mind. How our lives affect other people. Um, our middle son went to school and studied architecture, and he was an architect for several years in Atlanta. And he saved up enough money to live for a year without a job. He quit his job because he wanted to be an animator. And he had been studying at YouTube University, you know, for every month he'd learn a different program. And right now, today, he works for Warner Brothers Studio in Atlanta as an animator. But what happened is he went to a, a wedding and this guy came up to him and said, man, I love your parents. And Jonathan said, when have you ever met my parents? He said, I haven't, but any parents that are cool with you giving up the job you had to just go out there and do nothing, you know, he said, there must be pretty neat. And Jonathan says, well, let me tell you what they did. <laughs> they walked out on a big limb because we really were making a ton of money where we lived and I had a great job and, and stuff. But those missions banquets, every year, we it was like giggling, running to the thing, because we were like, I can't wait to see what God does this year, because it was all him. Yeah. It wasn't us. We, we didn't have it. We had a fixed income. Yeah. So obviously, it was a miracle that that money would come like right. that, and right. just incredible. You just can't outgive God. I think when we... Tried to tell Pastor Randy that we felt like God was calling us to missions. It took us, we had him over the house and we're, over about three hours. We're trying to bring that up, bring it up, and he kept changing the, the subject. And finally, we, you know, just said, Look, Pastor Randy, you know, this is what God, we want, we feel like God's saying, and we want you to pray with us. And he said, But not you guys. And he's, I, because I said, You want 100 missionaries out of this church. I said, God's, call, you know, He might be calling us. And he's, No, not you guys. I think he was thinking more about because how much we were giving. You know, you know, <laughs> rather than us leaving. No, not really. But uh, it was just uh, a, a great, again, they, they blessed us with the opportunity to uh, go there for two months. And, um, and that's when we really were able to, to pray and find out what God's plan and his will was. And so now we still, we give to missionaries. We support, I think, eight missionaries so far. And so, you know, we believe in it. It's something. And so when you're giving, every, every time you give to missions, you're yeah. part of what's going on. You're part of what we're doing in Ecuador. You're part of every missionary that this church supports. And uh, maybe you can't go, but God's called you to give. And, uh, and you're just as responsible for the results that are going on in the field as the missionaries that are there. Can I interject and another we'll, thing? I'm sorry. This, it's just so exciting. <laughs> but... Um, even as missionaries, I mean, you talk about a budget change. <laughs> we don't know that. I mean, we still feel like we live like high on the hog, if you will. Um, a couple of years, well, it was a year ago, we had um, an Ecuadorian, it's a pastor in, in the AG there. His brother-in-law was electrocuted and went into the hospital, and it, it, he's a mirror. He's a walking miracle. But they were just making a plea for people to help them out. And so the Lord placed a figure on our mind, you know, that we would give to them. And also when we came home for Christmas, something happened to one of our relatives that we loved a lot, and the Lord placed on our heart to repair or give her something that she needed desperately for her work. And... I don't know. And so anyway, we did that. We gave to both of those things out of our own funds. And the very next day, we opened a Christmas card for someone we hadn't heard from in a while. 
and they gave us those two figures combined. Wow. But oh, I don't think that would have come. Right, right. Or it certainly wouldn't have done as good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you never know. You don't, it's not about, well, what do I have? Yeah. You know, you just, you give in faith, and yeah. God's going to bring it back. Right. Well, and, and just watching the, how the Lord has stair-stepped you, you know, the Bible talks about going from strength to strength, mm-hmm. from faith to faith, from, to glory, you know, from glory to glory, that he wanted somebody in the spot that you're in now, and I think it's a good time to kick in the video, right? Uh, he wanted somebody that was a person of faith to believe God for big things because it's big. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than what you thought. <laughs> okay. And so you need to be a person of faith in that spot. Is this good? You want to show the video on it? Yeah. 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 Wait, let's go ahead and show it. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never end. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way. Tell us, um, tell us what where you're at right now. I know you're. Uh, this is your second or third. Our third. Third church this okay. year. They they just yeah. started a uh, 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 process of itineration. They've been in uh, their assemblies of God world missionaries that uh, do four year stints and usually take a year off. But you guys didn't really do it that way, right? No. So you this did a full eight years, and then this is their first year to itinerate. Which which the process of itineration means they're going from church to church, and then uh, as as doors open for them to do so and raise money to go back. 
So tell us what current projects you're working on. Well, what we do is uh, we use the television station as a platform to be able to get into the homes of the, of the people. And so we have great influence and great opportunities. And we, we share about life issues that they're dealing with. Many have problems with alcohol. It's a huge problem there. Uh, problems with their marriage, anger. Uh, anxiety, lots of different things. And then we offer them opportunities for free counseling. So we have people that actually come to the, the TV station where we have a whole counseling center and they're able to receive counseling. We have uh, registered therapists and, that help us with some of the harder cases and, and different things like that. But then we're able to lead people to Christ that way. And then we have churches that work with us that send us volunteers that we train to be counselors. Then when that counselor uh, lead someone to Christ, they invite them to their church. So what we want to do is create uh, four more counseling centers and a church. We want to plan a church at each counseling center because we feel like that would be a great natural pro pro progression for if somebody comes to a counseling center and receives Christ, hey, why don't you just come right back here on Sunday where we have services, and then they're able to be discipled, and we can kind of get a better handle on their discipleship process, because right now it's, you know, we're not, not really sure how far it's going. Uh, as the, We encourage the churches to do that, but we could have a little bit better control. But we also then, um, I believe that if we can do uh, four along with the one that we have, we will see our goal would be 10,000 people come to Christ in a year. And that's, that's what we want to plan over our next term, which is next four years. And so what we're dealing with right now, we have a building loan. You saw the building that we have, almost 8,000 square feet. Uh, AGWM owns that building, and we're paying them back, and we're paying $5,000 a month to, uh, for this loan. If we can pay that loan off, it's $430,000 right now. If we could pay that off and free up that $5,000, then we could plant two of those counseling centers right now because it would take $2,500 a month for a salary for a pastor, for a salary for a counseling director, and for the property rental. So we, we feel like we could begin right now with that $5,000 that we're putting into a building loan. So we're looking for 15 churches or individuals to give $20,000 over the next year, and 15 individuals or churches to give $10,000. And that comes up to $450,000, and we can knock off this loan uh, with 30 people involved. And so we would love to see Lighthouse be one of those churches to give $20,000 over the next year. And so we can, by, by January of 2023, we could uh, have that thing done. We, ha we celebrate 20 years in 2023, and I'd love to be able to burn that, uh, that, that paper, mortgage paper, and, uh, and just say, hey, we're done, and we're planning this new center, and we're going to celebrate 20 years by uh, having those two counseling centers open up. Praise God. That is, you know, that's a great vision. And I, I love that, uh, you know, uh, Tom and, and had shared with us that a younger missionary couple was coming along. And one of the things that uh, I love about 
Tom's desire is that, you know, to, to get the facility paid for. And then when you get ready to hand over the baton, right, That's it's right. it's then the, the then the new uh, couple can just come on and just focus solely on ministry. And um, so that's beautiful. Well, I'd like for us to pray about that today. I'd like for us to ask the Lord what he wants us to do in, in being involved with uh, missions in Ecuador. Um, before we pray about that, uh, Tom, mention about the uh, uh, the internship opportunity because uh, Tom and I were talking. Uh, you know, we are we are an Ascent College and, and uh, Lighthouse School of Supernatural Leadership uh, uh, Church, and uh, there are uh, young people that can go do internships in Ecuador. And so you might be watching this right now online, or or you might be here in this room, and you're saying, "Well, I'm, I want to know what the Lord wants for me for my future." Um, one of the things that I've believed for uh, for as long as I've been doing missions is it's not so much that you go, it's who you go with uh, is going to determine whether or not uh, you have a good experience. And uh, so uh, they've had about uh, about a dozen, I think Tom said, in the eight years, uh, uh, interns come down and participate with them. And, and so maybe some of our young people, tell them a little bit about that. Well, we, we offer three-month uh, internship. You're allowed to be in Ecuador for three months without a visa. And so it works out perfectly. And we have a process where we have uh, opportunities for you to stay in homes of people, or, and then also that helps your Spanish. And then we have you spend like a week in different areas. So we have the television area, the media problem. We have the counseling area. We have the churches that we work with. So there's lots of different opportunities. So you get a well-rounded opportunity to, to find all the different fields and maybe see what God's really calling you to do because you have the opportunity to work in each of these areas. And so we've you know, we've worked with several of the universities. They have a, a certain plan that we have to fulfill how many hours of, of service. So it would depend on your university, but we do have that as an opportunity. And it's very, uh, I, I can't remember exactly, but it's, it's just around $1,000 a month, basically, and uh, plus, plus your meals. So it's not, not real expensive. Amen. So great opportunity. I love that. One of the things that I've uh, that I, I see on the horizon through our missions connections is that God is connecting Lighthouse in ordinary Virginia. You you can you can get to the nations from ordinary Virginia, and I see God just just building these relationships. Up. Uh, you know it, that's that's so critical in the kingdom. Um, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord what He wants you to give this morning to support uh, the the ministry. There in Ecuador, I would love it if we could be one of the fifteen, twenty thousand dollar churches, but that relies on you, and uh, and so we all we are all going by faith today, aren't we? And so uh, let's let's ask the Lord what He wants us to do, and uh, and then you can take out your uh, you, you can take out the connection card on the back. You can fill that out. You can give online. Obviously, you can give through the Church Center app. But let's pray over this offering right now, and then uh, then we're going to have uh, you know uh, uh, our worship. Team come back or late. well, Tegan's there. She's going to play, and uh, and then we're going to have a prayer time at the altar. So if there's something that really spoke to you uh, in the in the ministry today, come and seal it at the altar this morning. Father, we pray right you, now, Jesus. Lord. We know that those in uh, Cuenca and all over uh, the the world, Lord, so many different nations are touched by Uncian and the ministry of Tom and Becky uh, that they oversee there, Lord. So many people, Lord God, are hearing the gospel. So many people. 
people, Lord God, are touched. Millions, Lord God, of Latin Americans get to hear the message of the gospel and are responding. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we know that the gospel is free, but it costs money to preach. It costs money to go. It costs money to send people. It costs money to keep the lights on. All of the details that are necessary to package the gospel and get it where it needs to go. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, we know uh, that uh, Tom and Becky uh, dug a deep well here many, many years ago. And Lord, we've supported them as missionaries, but we've never really gone big with them, Lord God. They went big for us early on, Lord God, and we're still recipients of their lives. And Father, I pray that you would put it on our hearts today, Lord God, to to go big and to reach in and and to do something in, in this season of their lives and their ministry that we could say, amen. We see what God is doing and it's big and we want to be a part of it. Father, I pray that you bless this offering right now. I pray that you speak to every one of us about what you want us to do individually and collectively it would be more than enough to meet this need, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for a clear vision. Thank you for a a fresh anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you're doing uh, through Tom and Becky's ministry. And thank you, Lord, for refreshing our souls and reminding us, Lord God, of the good things that you're still doing here at Lighthouse, Lord. And Father, we just ask you right now in the name of Jesus to stir us afresh and anew about the things that you want to do today. In the name of Jesus, we pray.